Good morning. Sunday morning. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful northern Virginia. And I'm Alan, coming to you from the lovely and overcast greater Seattle metropolitan area. And this is Wrong Think Radio, our two-hour live program that we put on every single week to bring you guys our facts and analysis of what's going on in the world today, how to understand it, how to break through propaganda, and obviously, how to really, really see the truth of what's going on. And... I guess the best way for me to sort of open this up is, I don't know about everyone else, but um, I'm not going to say I'm tired of being right all the time. (laughs) Sounds super arrogant to say it that way. But at the same time, like so many news stories that have been coming out recently, Alan and I have had our show prep call and it has turned into, well, we already knew this. So is it a big deal? that like we now have proof of it and alan actually had basically a a good um outlook on why stuff like the twitter files for example i don't think the twitter files were shocking at all to a single one of our listeners like anybody who's paid attention to it and basically saw and we'll, we'll get a little bit deeper into it but it's oh my gosh in a shock to literally nobody um the dnc and the uh, Biden campaign had a direct line to executives at Twitter to tell them what accounts and what subjects matter and things like that should be allowed on the platform during the election. So hmm. in a shock to nobody in our audience, that happened. But also, it's now solidly documented. We have it in hand. We can show absolute proof that these conversations occurred and that they were regularly occurring uh, all the time and likely continued to occur after the Biden administration became the Biden administration. So what was what's your outlook on that kind of information for, so let's say, doomsayers, maybe like myself, who goes, well, what matters? We already knew about it, man. Like, what's the deal? So <clears throat> to me, this was a big, exciting story because it was a bunch of releases of internal Twitter documents that proved that proved that there was a concerted effort by Twitter to manipulate its own internal rules in order to suppress any discussion of the Hunter Biden laptop story so that it would either prevent a political scandal for Democrats or allowed Democrats to maintain a political edge. It was a absolutely intentionally biased campaign by executives at Twitter to assist the Democrat party in avoiding a scandal that could have damaged them in the election. That's a big deal. And the thing is, we 
People alleged this at the time. It was pretty obvious at the time what was going on when all of these mainstream media outlets and Twitter were all refusing to run the story, were dropping the story, were suppressing people talking about the story. But it's one of these things that we can say that and it is, and people that agree with you will agree. But something like this recent dump of documents from Twitter proves is the hard evidence that it absolutely was occurring. And to me, that is very satisfying because I can now talk to all of my skeptical friends, friends that are either on the right and refuse to recognize the enormous, refuse to recognize that this happens, or friends that are more on the left and also refuse to recognize this happens. I can now rub their face in it, and that feels really satisfying to me because they cannot refute what was going on. They, I can say, Twitter was absolutely working in cahoots with the Democrat Party to suppress a real scandal about the President of the United States that you support, proving that he is dirty and corrupt, and there is a concerted conspiracy to prevent you and I from talking about it. You well, and it, it, it feels very satisfying to be sitting in that position because I can say to them, Essentially, the, the greater point of that conversation would be, you have no morality here at all. Your side is evil. You people are the ones stopping free speech. You are trying to cover up for corruption. You are bad people for supporting the people that did this. Well, And that feels really satisfying to say. And it feels yeah. extremely satisfying to be able to prove it beyond any argument. Well, and I, I, I think that that actually does come to... Uh, sort sort of the the greater point of all of it, right? Is um, to kind of just recap to everybody. Uh, Elon Musk took internal communications that were occurring at Twitter and sent them over to uh, a journalist known as uh, Matt Taibbi and asked and, and basically told him like go through this information and report it. Um, we'll get to some of the reactions because they are important. Um, and they do, they, they paint a greater picture of how much of a threat this kind of information appears to pose. And it puts a lot of things in perspective. Like I said, it, it's not a ton of stuff we didn't already know, or at least so solidly suspect that like none of this is going to be like groundbreaking, but it is groundbreaking to people who have remained in, ignorant to, uh, the goings on like, you know, it's not a bad thing that, well, if we're just, you know, on it, people that are on the right, people that are conservatives are just far more in the know on things that are going on politically than other people. It's very easy if you're a liberal in America to basically just sit back and be like, oh, whatever I need to know, Trevor Noah will tell me while he laughs in his South African accent or Stephen Colbert will say it or, you know, who the hell ever, right? Um, Netflix will tell me how to feel about a certain subject because it'll be on their new show. Um, so it's, it, it becomes very, there, there's a very, um, possible way to become somewhat pessimistic when you're on the right, because you're constantly seeing all this information. And then you feel like you're taking crazy pills because you're like, how the hell can so-and-so over here even hold this opinion when this and this and this and this and this is going on? And you always have to remind yourself, they probably don't know about that. Who would have told them about that? How would they know about that? Exactly. Um, I think a lot of people 
left and right, the centrists among us, the I, a, a lot of people are very ignorant, of, especially of for, sort of fringe politics. And I think it is important to remember a lot of these ideas that we discuss, a lot of the are are fringe. They are fringe because they are intentionally made fringe because the mainstream media selectively chooses what stories to report on and which ones they don't. For example, the Hunter Biden laptop would have stayed a very fringe thing because there was a coordinated conspiracy and campaign to ensure that it did not reach a wider audience. However, because we live in the information age through Facebook, through uh, Twitter, even as they were trying to stop it, they could not completely stop the spread of information about this laptop story. Thankfully, we even do have places that are right-wing outlets. I know, I believe Tucker Carlson covered it. And so, but if you did not have access, if you didn't watch Fox News, if you weren't on Twitter, if you weren't follow, if you didn't have certain friends on Facebook sharing these stories, you easily could, with absolutely no malicious malice on your part, be completely ignorant of the entire Hunter Biden laptop story, which is exactly the what the intention of all of this suppression was. And that goes is true for not just the Hunter Biden laptop story, but for dozens of other stories and information that the, I guess, powers that be want to prevent a wider understanding of. Ukraine is a good example. The If you w- listen to the mainstream media, it paints a very different picture of the reality on the ground in Ukraine than if you listen to both the mainstream media and a bunch of more alternative French sources that then s- promote things like, here's all this other information that makes it a much more complex picture. I know people that based on they just had listened to NPR while they're driving to work, they see a couple things that get posted, I guess, on Facebook by their leftist friends. And I talked to them and say, wow, isn't it amazing? Ukraine is totally winning and it's only a matter of time for the Russians. And I say, well, traditionally, I mean, the Russians in winter uh, are probably going to have a big winter offensive and, uh, and try to get across, here's all of this other information that says the situation in Ukraine with the Ukrainians and the Russians is much more complex than and they have no idea what I'm talking about because this is the first time they've ever heard information that was counter to what they're told by the mainstream media, what the official narrative is. So it's understandable that I guess that some people can be completely ignorant and be very surprised when they learn any of the information that you or I take for granted. Well, and, and I mean, this much is provable over, uh, we've discussed this before, the amount of people that have no idea that there's been a civil war in that country for basically forever. Exactly. Trying to tell people, oh, it's like Russia just invaded out of nowhere. It's so terrible. And you're like, well, I mean, the United States did sponsor a coup that kicked out the lawfully elected president who then immediately canceled the uh, parliament and sovereignty of areas like Crimea and Eastern Ukraine and those places then promptly basically rebelled against the government because their political representation was stripped from them. And then they fought a civil war for eight years. And then Russia basically has invaded. They have no idea what I'm talking about. It's mm-hmm. like, I don't understand. But Russia no, just was... invaded for no reason. One day just decided to invade for no reason. Well, and, and so it much makes of it that. tough. It makes it frustrating to talk about because before you can discuss whatever thing they were bringing up, like 
you know, the newest, latest TikTok dance to support Zelensky. Isn't that amazing? You then have to <laughs> almost like go back in time and reprogram them with, well, here's all the information and context that totally changes what you were told. It makes it exhausting. And I think that is exactly the point. I think part of the point of suppressing a lot of this information and muddying is a attempt to muddy the water of conversation between Americans to make it more difficult for us to talk to each other and come to any kind of understanding and consensus. And that makes it harder for us to make any kind of unified opposition to what the people setting this strategy have in store. Well, and, and we do have um, some updates that we'll get into later in the program when it comes to some of the weird stuff that's going on, like Ukraine-wise, that's going to make things, um, I think, interesting, especially with the new Congress coming in. Mm. Um, but on the front of the whole you know, Twitter files and all that, because un understand this from a couple of things, and, and we'll, we'll kind of break down the counter-narratives that are oh, being boy. created on the left. Um, it wasn't... The Hunter Biden laptop story is a data point, not the primary data point. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by this is it, this wasn't a one-off. This wasn't a special case. And, and I think that this is, I think that this is the disservice that is being, um, propagated, not intentionally or maliciously, um, by a lot of people, uh, a lot of like right wing commentators is is they're not they're not taking that more global approach to this information. There's just so many people that are hyper focused on specifically the laptop story. And there are true mm -hmm. points that they're making. For example, um, there was a poll that was done. I can't remember who did it. I think it was Ipsos, but I don't know. Um, so I'm sorry. I'll, I'll have to find it. That did a they did a poll shortly after the election that asked people that if they knew the information from the laptop whether or not they would have voted differently and the response was a resounding yes that if they were given this information it would have influenced how they voted and now that we know specifically that this information was intentionally suppressed um communicated by the Biden administration. There's obviously a, a lot of reason to believe that intelligence agencies and law enforcement agencies like the FBI um, were also involved in suppression of not just this, but other things. Those are very true things. In other words, the, the, the big watchword here that's being used is election meddling and uh, uh, election um, interference. Like the Democrat party interfered with the election via social media. Cause this wasn't like Twitter also was not the only place that these conversations had to have occurred. But at the same time, it's not just this story. It had to have been, remember what you're seeing in these, in this data leak isn't just a sudden, oh my God, there's this really crazy story about Hunter Biden that's coming out. Uh, it's terrible. Like we need to do something. No, 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 no. These people had a direct regular line, a working relationship. One of the things you're noticing, if you read the emails that are going back and forth, it is, it, there, there, there was a playbook and there was, you know, 
there's one of the emails specifically that's in there is someone from the Biden campaign that just literally gave a list of tweets or Twitter accounts. Mm -hmm. And the way that this was transmitted was, uh, here's a new thing from the Biden campaign and the responses on it. And so that, that to me is, oh, this is a regular occurrence on a regular, possibly daily, but at least repeatable basis. The Biden campaign was sending tweets and sending uh, names of Twitter accounts to Twitter and basically saying, could someone please rid me of this meddlesome priest? Yeah. Now, we don't know exactly yet what the what exactly they were doing. Were they were they banning accounts based on the advice based on the request from the White House? Were they shadow banning people? Were they making tweets unavailable? There was a lot there has been a lot of oh meddling by Twitter in the way it ran things, ramping up after 2016. I may believe it was like 2016. They started ramping up heavily on how they moderated information. And we don't know the extent of it. Was it simply the Biden administration saying, hey, can you take a look at this and then your own content moderation team will deal with it? Very easily could be that way because it was that would be the most deniable way to do it is just some staffer, not, uh, oh, that staffer with no connection to the president, just just reaching out to a friend at Twitter and just, you know, bringing these things to light. Or was it much more intentional saying we, the Biden administration, wants you to ban these people, to restrict these tweets, to shut down these stories? Honestly, I would not be surprised either way with any of that. I would not be surprised. Would you? I mean, I think about it. Like, in it, and at the end of the day, does it really matter? Because clearly, the Biden administration was in some way actively through back channels, essentially in secret, working with a a mainstream tech company, but it's not even necessarily just a tech company, working with a company that provides a platform for the sharing of ideas, working with them to ensure that the ideas of their political opposition, of political dissidents, were restricted and snuffed out of the greater conversation that citizens were able to have. There is nothing different about this story then if say the biden administration was calling was calling newspapers and saying do not report these stories do not report these things make sure that you fire these journalists because that's essentially what it is on twitter you could make the claim that any everyone is roughly a journalist it's like twitter is just a collection of tiny little articles if you're sharing stories if you're doing it's no different than reading an op-ed in the paper and this would be the same as the administration saying these different journalists are not allowed to have their message heard by the public because it would hurt us politically. And they're not doing this in the name of national security, which is the one caveat that we always have to carve out. No, they were doing this simply, they were doing this for almost the opposite reasons. It is a national security problem if the president's son is compromised by foreign businessmen. It is a national security issue if the president has a bunch of conflicts of interest business dealings in foreign countries. And this was an attempt by the Biden administration, by the Democrat party as a whole potentially, 
to ensure that those conflict of interests, those national security threats and problems that arise from the illicit and illegal business dealings of the president and his son are hidden from the light of day and restricted from the American people seeing them and taking the absolute reasonable courses of action to protect their country from corruption and malfeasance. What's what's interesting is like, I mean, there are other scenarios here. Like one of the big things is you're not wrong, right? These are these are some of the big concerns that come from the Hunter Biden laptop story. But it wasn't just that. For example, uh, the Gateway Pundit actually just released this, but it's coming from a tweet from a um, one of one of Trump's former attorneys, Christina Bob, mm-hmm. that there's an email that they have from Katie Hobbs, so the Secretary of State of Arizona, who was also running for governor, where she sent an email to Twitter, uh, her communications director on January seventh, um, sent an email to Twitter and said please review like please review this account and it does it hasn't unfortunately it's censored out because i believe that this is coming from a legal filing but it said like please review this account and then it's responded to where you can see the thread forward where they say um you know please see the report below from the arizona secretary of state office let me know if you have any questions um they sent that forward to Twitter and immediately it said both, uh, both of these tweets have been removed from the service. So not only the problem that you, you have to understand is this is the Arizona secretary of state. That's a pretty low level political mm-hmm. position. Like, let's just be honest. It's, it's, it's the secretary is, of yeah. state of a state, but she's right. a Democrat and she's running for governor of Arizona. And her campaign or her office, which was basically working as an arm of her campaign because she was running for governor and did not recuse herself, is flagging tweets. Now, we don't know any any of the um, background of this, but at the end of the day, she's the secretary of state. And I don't know about you, Alan. Is that a member of the government? I, I would say so. I'd say it so absolutely is. Would this be the government suppressing speech? Yeah. It absolutely is. Oh, interesting, because there are so many never Trumpers and, quote, real true conservatives that are trying to explain to us right now that everything we're seeing in the Twitter files, none of it's a violation of the First Amendment. Zero, because the Democrat National Committee is a private entity, folks. Did you know that? It's a private entity. Can't do anything about it. Constitution's only if the government is suppressing speech. See, you know, the First is... Amendment's only if the government's doing it, guys. It's okay if a political party corruptly uh, takes any aspect of information and manipulates it for their candidate. That's perfectly fine. A- a- according to the, quote, true conservatives, that's perfectly fine. It's perfectly legal. Constitution can't do anything to protect you. And they shouldn't. In fact, it's immoral for you to even suggest it. That is. There is a reason why I continually I'm validated in thinking that a lot of the sort of never Trump conservatives are actually playing for the other team because it seems like they certainly are like. I don't know if saying the Constitution has literally no method of being able to protect you from this kind of malfeasance. I don't know if that's really a good argument 
for the Constitution of the United States? It sounds like a bad one to me. Certainly. But, and and we're, we're Raccoon 6 is saying like, but the DNC and RNC are private entities. They are. True. But you know what's not a private entity, Raccoon? The Secretary of State Office for the eras for the state of Arizona. That's not right. a well, private this, entity. Well, I think on, this on, to on. me is one of those mm-hmm. issues that is I find rather it's very complicated but very irritating. Because if the DNC is working with, say, newspapers to ensure that there are no stories printed that are negative to the DNC, mm-hmm. that's a problem, even though everyone's a private entity. Because what is not a private entity is the is public opinion. Those right. these things are a malicious and intentional attempt to modify and change American public perception of issues so that Americans will vote a certain way to change things or keep things the same. And that affects all Americans. So even if it is a private companies doing it, it still has a political ramification, a political ramification, and therefore I have an interest in ensuring that they can't get away with these sort of things. Well, at the same time, and I'm, I'm not belaboring anybody. Like this, this is an argument that we are going to have to face, and there are actors within even our own movement that are going to try mm-hmm. to kneecap us with this whole. Well, but they are private entities, and I'm not saying that it's untrue. It is, but. The only way that that argument carries any water is you have to ask yourself a second question. So Biden just stopped going to Twitter to suppress things that were uh, negative about him and negative for his administration, right? Like the minute he was elected president of the United States, he went, okay, well, we're not going to, we're, we're no longer going to go and, and suppress anything on social media that might be damaging to to President Biden. We're just going to stop doing that because because that would be unconstitutional, right? We all trust that the Democrat Party turns around and immediately says, well, we don't want to violate the Constitution of the United States. That would be wrong, right? You're That's the promise that you have to make to me to convince me that that's even a valid argument at all. Mm-hmm. You have to be you have to be able to promise to me that the Democrat Party would say, we're not going to email our buddies over at Twitter to get them to shut down things we find inconvenient. For example, um, is it possible that there was suppression of, we got to shut down any of these tweets that are reminding people that a recession is two quarters of negative economic growth with which we experienced? Is it possible that they were telling people to shut down uh, Twitter accounts that were pointing out that Vladimir Putin had zero to do with increasing gas prices. Yeah. Or it's even like if, mm-hmm. if the DNC will use it for one thing, they'll use it for everything, whether they're in power or not. And that is what it, my concern is. My concern is once these channels are established and these institutions are compromised, whether it's private entities or not, that inevitably translates into the political sphere in a way that I don't want to have happen. 
Alan, we, we, sorry, we have a question in the chat that I do think is interesting. So here's a question. I'd be interested in your and Alan's thoughts on whether the New York Post ought to win a Pulitzer Prize for reporting on the Hunter laptop story that most other MSM knew about, but chose to sit on, to chose to sit on it and how it was suppressed by those entities and big tech. I would say yes. Uh, simply, simply under the basis of they were brave enough to tackle a story that other news organizations didn't want to touch for fear of possibly, let's just say, for fear of reprisal. Like for, right. for fear that they would, that there would be, because I bet that's how a lot of these companies lied to themselves as well. We would touch that, but if it turns out to be a hack or something, well, we just don't know, so we better not say anything. Um. I, I would say sure. Yeah, they absolutely deserve a, a, a behavior like that should be rewarded. Now, I think yeah. the Pulitzer Prize whole, I mean, much like the Nobel Prize, I think the Pulitzer Prizes have been basically corrupted and are no longer really valid. But in a in a in a perfect world, absolutely. Well, yeah, and, and I, I think to the to the greater point of, of what you're kind of touching on here is that is what journalism is supposed to be. It it's supposed to be risky business guys like because journalism and intelligence are very similar um in a lot of ways i mean they they just they just really are and when there is a situation part of how intelligence works and alan and i are used to this is you have to basically you imagine going to a whiteboard and writing out every potential possibility to include some of the most crazy potentials that can exist and things that like look wild, they look conspiratorial and all that. That is the beginning of the analysis process to try to get to the truth. You have to put every uh, potential uh, possibility on that board. And for journalists, they have to do the same thing, especially when you're looking at like large scale, these people aren't stupid. Like Hunter Biden, yeah, drunkenly for whatever reason, like gave his laptop over to a um, repair shop. And this repair guy in part of his daily duties found a bunch of really crazy stuff and was like, oh my God, this is the son of the president. And there's a lot of weird things on here. But in addition, there's a lot of corrupt things. Well, these people aren't stupid in the idea like Hunter Biden might be dumb. He might be a drug addict, but the Democrat Party's not stupid. Joe Biden is not dumb in the idea of he knows how to do corrupt things and get away with it. So you're going to have to sound a little conspiratorial. You're going to have to go out on a limb and not be able to connect every single dot if you want to try to report on corruption because they are smart enough to hide it. Yeah. And so you have to put those suppositions out there and sometimes you have to get it wrong. And you have to take the risk. The mainstream media is lying to everybody right now in quote, why, when they say, this is why we didn't cover the Hunter Biden stories because we couldn't confirm it. We couldn't confirm it. Bullshit. There is tons of stuff that you can confirm. In fact, I have the perfect example of this um, for everybody uh, to give you an idea of how this actually worked. Because to be honest, what what Eric's talking about here in the chat, and some of it are reflections of 
how the MSM is going to try to save face because you can read these emails now. You can see people from the DNC saying this needs to go away. Right. And they're not making the case that other people are making. They're, they're not making the case that the MSM is trying to make, which is they were trying to cover it up because they, wa- they, they didn't want dick pics of Hunter Biden out there without his consent. That was never the reasoning. That was never the reasoning that was used by anyone for suppressing this story. Right. The reasoning it's that a- was used by everyone for suppressing this story was it is Russian disinformation, and they literally got what was it, fifteen or twenty people involved in the intelligence community to write and sign a letter saying, "Yep, yep, yep, this is Russian. This is Russian disinformation," and that was a lie. That was based on zero evidence. There was yeah. no evidence. Everyone involved knew they were lying. Yeah. And now, when, mm-hmm. and for at least for the Twitter documents, for the, the the way Twitter went through trying to suppress this story was to call it hacked information. And according to their internal rules, if there is a suspicion that information has been hacked either which means the information is either unreliable or uh compromised that this information might not be true because it was potentially hacked onto or off someone's machine they have internal rules that say we can suppress that information with potentially good reasons and they kept saying well this information must have been hacked this information must have been hacked that was the mechanism they were using to suppress it not the fact that it was pornographic that would be that's the assertion essentially of people now as well they were just trying to keep all of these gross illicit pictures away from people's poor eyes no that is not what they were doing they were at the time describing this in internal documentation as this is hacked material that is unreliable therefore we have to protect it and prevent people from spreading quote disinformation it was never we are protecting people from spreading pornographic information or illicit uh, images. That is a totally different category they could have invoked but chose not to because at the end of the day, what they actually wanted to prevent people from seeing was all of the allegations of co- corrupt business conduct of the president's son and the president and these foreign donors and business people. That is what they were trying to hide. They weren't trying to hide the pictures of Hunter Biden with underage, potentially underage girls. If they were just trying to hide those, they could have invoked, oh, explicit images. We already have a category for that. Bam, shut that down. Mm-hmm. But that's not what they did because the intent was to dis- was to keep the illicit and illegal business dealings of the president of the United States and his son away from the voting public. Yeah, understand real quick that the obsession with the fact that Hunter Biden was smoking crack, with the fact that there's like a lot of sexually explicit photos and and you know weird weird conversations and text messages. That's all a distraction. All of that, like the the Democrats and liberals are highlighting those subjects to distract you because at the end of the day, it's not something that anyone can really do anything about. I mean, sure, like if there's some, there is definitely some of the weirdness, like what the hell was going on with the niece and like, 
some of the other weird stuff, right? Of course, there's yeah. the you know Hunter Hunter Biden's stripper baby mama and all that other all that other stuff. I'm not saying that it, it it's I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but I'm saying it is very convenient for Democrats and for liberals to highlight those specific situations because then it distracts everybody from the 10% for the big guy. Right. Now this we talked we talked last night there is a parallel to this current situation and especially this tactic of focusing enti- entirely on the sexual improprieties of Hunter Biden and that's the Bill Clinton scandal. Bill Clinton the the whole Monica Lewinsky scandal started with investigations into the corrupt business dealings of Bill and Hillary Clinton involving the is it the Whitewater Whitewater order? yeah the Whitewater White, office the, building. Yeah, the Whitewater office building, which when you look into it, absolutely looks like they were doing money laundering or some real corrupt <laughs> the, uh, shell the, game with finances involving that building and the Democrat National Party and these mega donors. The there governor invest- of Arkansas went to jail. <laughs> yeah, the governor of Arkansas went to jail for this and the Bill and Hillary Clinton were implicated in the corruption. Republicans were investigating this and then just happened to come upon the sexual improprieties of the president, and that became the biggest news story, which mm-hmm. sucked all the air out of the room, and no one ever sought to question or think about the serious corruption and corrupt business dealings of the president and his wife. It's very convenient that that happened. Mm-hmm. I am at least a little bit suspicious that when they knew that they were not going to that when they knew they were going to get caught with with actual political corruption they uh, i would allege in my crazy conspiratorial moments that somebody intentionally focused the investigation refocused the investigation on the bizarre sexual proclivities of the president and some intern which was too juicy for republicans to pass up they made it all about that and then suddenly well looks like the everything just disappears because then the media had the uh they had the ability to play it off as look at all of these dumb republicans that just care about what happens behind closed doors in somebody's bedroom essentially the media hollywood etc had already laid the groundwork in the minds of the american people of only dumb idiot bigot redneck low class peasants care about what happens in someone's bedroom because remember love is love and if you're a good enlightened person you don't care about that sort of thing mm-hmm. so when inevitably it just so happens that the president needs an out from a scandal they just say uh the real scandal is that he banged this intern and then all of the liberals go all the liberals go i don't care about that because i'm a good person and then all of the conservatives go i am now being shamed for caring about that by all of these quote good people and then the whole scandal gets too muddy and disappears how many people do you know that when asked about Bill and about Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky, will take some holier than thou line of I don't care what people do in the privacy of their own bedroom. I don't care if the president had a got a blowjob in the Oval Office. I'm a good person. That's very convenient because what people should have cared about was I should uh, was the president is corruptly laundering money for the Democrat Party, but nope. 
that disappeared because we focused on sexual impropriety. And I think there is a similar effort underway about the Hunter Biden laptop story. When they now realize that they can't get away from it, it'll be a very convenient pivot to con dumb conservatives only care because he had his his because he had his naughty bits hanging out on camera. That's what they care about. And then we'll all argue about that and no one will go, yeah, but what about the whole part where he's basically corruptly business? What about the part where his the president's son is being employed at the tune of thousands and thousands of dollars by a company that's owned by the same guy who funded the election of Zelensky in Ukraine? Mm -hmm. That seems much more worrying than anything involving pictures on the laptop of Hunter Biden in bed with some prostitute. I don't care about that. I care about the fact that there is a conflict of interest with the United States government, with the United States president and the go and the president of Ukraine. Well, and it's it's funny because we we got we got a question um, from a listener here, which is like, how can this corruption ever be, you know, uh, ever be rooted out completely once and for all short of, well, you know, um, <laughs> and I think that there's, there's a good answer here. Um, if you want to take a look at it in reality, uh, in the example that Alan just gave, when we talk about, uh, Whitewater, the Whitewater office building scandal that led to the revelation of what was going on with, um, Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. The entire country was able to be distracted by the Monica Lewinsky scandal. And the reason why is, and this is something that for those of you who aren't listening to this live and in the chat, we have a great audience that is just like kind of fact bombing our chat right now to show you basically how the media is owned by just a few companies. And they all basically got together and they all decided um, we're going to all just focus on this Monica Lewinsky scandal because, you know, if it bleeds, it leads or whatever, whatever reason you want to come up with either absolute malice of, we have to focus on this. So people stop looking at the financial uh, aspects of the Clinton family, or it was just too good because people are going to, people like sex more than they like finance, you know, however you want to look at it. The entire country in the 90s was fixated on Monica Lewinsky, the blue dress, all of these other things. And they did forget entirely about the Whitewater scandal. That doesn't happen anymore. We are actually moving beyond, in a lot of ways, the corruption that existed in the 90s. I'm not trying to dismiss... Um, that it's corrupt. I'm not trying to dismiss that it's bad and we should be focused on how bad it is. What I am pointing out though is it is more difficult for people like the Democrat Party to try and fixate the country on one single issue. That's why Democrats are so hardline focused on suppressing social media. They want to be able to, that's why there's such an obsession with gatekeeping of information. That's why you're hearing words like disinformation and misinformation. Nobody actually cares about disinformation or misinformation or even understands it. 
in these entities that say these words all the time. That is a bullying tactic for them saying, you need to let us decide what information is allowed to be read or heard or watched by the American people because when the Democrat Party was ascendant in the 1990s, it was because they were able to get to five companies that were responsible for all media in the United States. They were able to go and basically tell ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, this is what you should focus on. Everyone focused on that. The entire United States of America focused on that. With the advent of the internet, with the advent of social media, this has become a very difficult thing to do. And what they want is to have that kind of control because we know about the Hunter Biden laptop. Yes, they tried to they tried to suppress it 100%. They put all effort forward in suppressing it, saying that it was hacked, saying that it was Russian disinformation, all of these things, but we still know about it. In the 1990s, you would not know a damn thing about it. Yeah. There would be no one that would be able to report on it. And you have to yeah. understand a lot of what made conservative media so big in its onset was the fact that a lot of people like Andrew Breitbart saw what was going on with the scan with the Whitewater scandal and the Clintons and said, Oh my God, like we have to have our own reporting. We have to have our own news stations. We need to have our own method of reaching out to people because we just watched the entire country ignore a massive political scandal. Mm -hmm. Which is rather shocking. So the, the secondary part of this would be, how do we translate seeing things like this Hunter Biden laptop story and being outraged about what is clearly indicators of political corruption, how does that get addressed? And I think we, of course, just have to utilize the mechanisms of power that are currently in place. So there had to, there has to be a way to get the elected congressmen and senators and other people to do what they need to do about this, to demand of our elected representatives to to not let the corruption slide by because it would be convenient to do nothing. And well, that's a very difficult thing because I'm not a congressman or senator. I don't have the ear of a congressman or senator. I have to just sort of act in the world and hope that my efforts reach them in some way. And I think that is a, it's not a very satisfying way to look at the, look at this problem, but that kind of is the only option we have. Well, I will tell you where we're going to be lucky. Um, is because of COVID. And let okay. me explain. We had that early on. We started uh, talking about it. Um, how one of the big pushbacks that we're seeing from people like David French and Bill Crystal, the never Trump folk and the quote, true conservatives. Okay. Um, one of the things that we are seeing coming out of those those people is well none of this was the government it wasn't the government it wasn't the government it's okay it's okay that all this happened it's it's okay that the democrat party was contacting a social media company to suppress the corruption of joe biden the candidate for president of the united states all of that's fine and the constitution will do nothing to protect you because it's not a government entity uh, free market i don't know 
point is though, um, once we start digging deeper into this, because there are going to, there are members of Congress that want to look into this. They want to get the executives that are on those emails in front of Congress to answer questions. Mm -hmm. We start digging. And I promise you, you're going to see emails from the center centers for disease control. We've actually already seen some of them. Oh, we yeah. know for a fact, the CDC was flagging certain accounts and saying, you need to take these down. We know well, for and a fact information that on things like suppressing ivermectin, suppressing quote vaccine hesitancy, suppress suppressing stories about vaccine injuries. Yep. Uh, a whole litany. I mean, the whole if you open the whole box of misinformation spread by the government to intentionally mislead the public during the whole COVID crisis. I mean, that's an almost bottomless well that you could plumb of government corruption and malfeasance. Right. Right. No. And, 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 and that's exactly it is these people, um, <laughs> these people absolutely like there is going to be definitive proof that the government meddled in free speech. For example, one of the things that kind of got lost with these Twitter files is the fact that the, uh, and I think we talked about this a little bit last week as well. The, uh, department of Homeland security, the FBI and the um, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, known as CISA, were all holding regular meetings with social media companies. They started as being monthly, then they moved to weekly, and then they moved to like almost every day heading into the election under the guise of we're all going to get together and meet with the social media companies to discuss foreign disinformation with regards to the election. The problem with that is no one's ever actually solidly proved that there was any effectual meddling in any election by any foreign entity via social media. There, that's never, that's never been proven. That was just, that was a, a bullshit narrative that was completely made up by the media because Hillary Clinton lost. And they yeah. had to come up with some reason that wasn't Democrats suck and people don't like them. Or people were able to see the corruption of the Democrat Party through the DNC email leaks and they didn't like what they saw. That was the that was the narrative that the Democrat Party was trying to cover up. And I know I might be I might sound like I'm kind of going in, in different directions here, but I need everyone to understand that a lot of what we're dealing with right now is all based entirely on the fact that the Democrat party didn't want to turn around and say, maybe we're not good. Maybe voters don't like us. These emails are pretty revealing that we are out of step and out of touch with the American people. Sure. That's it. Foundationally. That's it. Everything you're seeing, people saw those emails that got leaked out and once again, to in suppress anyone. I'm sorry. The emails in 2016. You're talking yes, about, the yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, the Democrat, the DNC emails that were leaked out in 2016. All of the force and pressure and everything that we're seeing today about disinformation, misinformation, Russia, and all this other nonsense, it all got its root in, oh shit, <laughs> the American people can read how we talked about them. 
The American people can see some of the weird things we did. They can see us speaking in code. They can see who was financing us. They can see the, once again, foreign business dealings that were going on to help finance the Clinton campaign. They can see all of this. So we need to scream louder about Russia. We need to scream louder about hacking. We need to scream louder about disinformation. All of it was to cover up that corruption. All of it. To include, we knew that debate answers were given to Hillary Clinton ahead of a debate or debate questions. Mm-hmm. We we learned that from these emails. Yeah. But they we, wanted you to focus yeah. on how you got the information more than the information itself. They've never once denied the content of those emails. And once again, we're here. It's now 2022, almost 2023, and they want to debate the emails or or how the emails were obtained or who obtained them being Elon Musk rather than the content of the emails. Right. And it's just people need to understand these distraction tactics. How do we move forward on it? Number one, we're already doing a really good job because we've applied so much pressure that like I just brought up never Trumpers, right? Let's just sure. focus on that for a second. I do think that a little bit of optimism would be a good. I think it would go a long way right now. And and there is that whole idea of you know being a happy warrior. So let me give you guys a little bit of happy warrior stuff right now. Um, we just talked about never Trumpers, right? Understand that five, six, seven years ago, those guys were running the GOP. Mm-hmm. They were solidly instantiated in the GOP. We have some of these guys are named, right? Never Trump conservatives like Bill Kristol, George Will, Eric Erickson, Neil Neil Bortz, Neil Cavuto. Those are the names that Eric just gave on our chat of people that are never Trump conservatives. And that's just a few names, right? We know their names. Why do we know their names? Because we're all able to talk to each other and highlight people that were like, yeah, those guys are garbage. They don't stand for us. Have you seen any of those, like the people that were just named, have you seen them seemingly actually affect anything within the voting base of the GOP? That's a really good, very good question. I I think not. And I'll, I'll give a really great example of stuff like that. Uh, Alan has a great take on this, which is every single time we have to cover a story where it seems like because we'll evaluate it like either, you know, we'll talk to each other throughout the week. We'll evaluate it where it's like, oh, here's another story where it feels like people are trying to make you choose between Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. And there's this big argument. And Alan's great response every single time I bring something like this up is, yeah, this there's not a single voter that's having this argument. There's no voters that are having this argument. They like both. I mean, that's my feeling. And it feel so if anybody out there, correct me if I'm wrong, but I certainly have had no arguments with anyone, and I've never even heard of arguments between anyone I know about any kind of contention between DeSantis or Trump for 2024. As far as I know, everyone that likes Trump also likes DeSantis. Everyone that likes DeSantis also likes Trump. If there is any feelings either way, they're, as far as I've seen in real life, they're just kind of theoretical, like, ah, oh, you know, I'd be happy with Trump or DeSantis. 
Like, maybe I'd want Trump a little more, or eh, maybe I'd like DeSantis a little more, but honestly, I'd be happy with either one. And that's the way everyone I know in real life, that's the way they view they view this, is mm -hmm. they might have some feelings one way or another, but at the end of the day, it's like, oh, I like DeSantis, I like Trump, you know, I hope, I wish him good for both of them. So And so what I see, though, is I keep seeing these stories of these Trump supporters that hate DeSantis and are here they are on camera stomping on a DeSantis flag. Or here's these DeSantis supporters publicly denouncing Trump for being awful. I was like, I don't know who any of these people are and I don't feel that any of them are actually real because it doesn't make sense to me that you would have this level of anger towards either one when both of them represent your interests against the overwhelming predation and threat of the left. And this is the way I felt about this sort of thing for a long time. It's like, why is there so much division seemingly on the right when everyone I know is going, wow, the left is an enormous threat that I really folk care about. Like I'm focusing on that so much more than on the nitpicking. Oh, this guy on my side, you know, doesn't like or these things. Or it's like, no, no, the left though, the giant steamroller that's coming to flatten liberty. <laughs> that makes me way more nervous than Trump or DeSantis, and I'm not going to fight about either one. Like, so I again that I. So in my personal experience, that's that's another thing. Maybe that differs. Maybe there's places that this is actually a lot more hot and contentious. But I kind of feel the only people, if anything, all I see are people that I know hate Trump for stupid reasons, pr promoting DeSantis, and they're the only ones I feel have any like real emphasis in, in, emphasis in the game. Any real vitriol is only coming from that one side because they disingenuously hate Trump, because Trump makes them have to apologize to their liberal friends and smelly foreigners. <laughs> What's funny is like Eric uh, in our chat, I think like highlights this extremely well. He says, in, in my humble opinion, it would be smart to finish out his second term being Trump. Or no, sorry, for DeSantis. It would be smart for him to second uh, finish out his second term as governor of Florida and run for president in 2028, as I am of the belief that Trump is the best we have. And then he goes on to say, like, I'm I'm not suggesting Ron DeSantis is a bad person or a bad candidate. I like DeSantis. Yeah. I think that that's the position of a lot of people. Yeah. What, what Th the that's the position really I've seen mm -hmm. writ large kind of everywhere is, oh, yeah, DeSantis is great, but I think, you know, Trump right now and then DeSantis later, that'd be fine. At the end of the day, this is what's so funny about this. Um, I, 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 like, I like talking about this debate. Um, because I do think that there are uh, people with malicious intent that are trying to push this debate um, for a different reason than you think. It's not a they would rather have DeSantis because they want DeSantis because uh, DeSantis is owned. I think oh, no. that they are trying to get the American people to forget that they pick the candidate. Yeah, because if you like remember, the, in there's a whole primary. There's an entire primary and you have to go on and you have to get the most, you have to go get representatives in the primary. You have to win the States and then you have to go forward into the convention and you have to get those people to vote for you. And I want to remind you what happened in 2016, Donald Trump won the primary, the American people, the members of the party, the voting members, the regular citizens 
that are members of the GOP voted in their state primaries and they voted for Donald Trump. Not every state. There were several other picks. There was, it was very contentious for a long time between Ted Cruz and Donald Trump, by the way, neither of whom were the establishment pick. Mm -hmm. Jeb Bush was the establishment guy. Yeah. I just want to remind people of that. But when Donald Trump was killing it in the primary and they were moving forward into the convention, I want to remind everybody that there was absolutely a contingent of people in the Republican Party and in conservative commentary that were pushing the idea of even though members of the party went out and voted in a primary, we should just force the electors to pick somebody else. And we can yeah. do it because the Republican Party is a private entity and we don't have to take their suggestions. I remember thinking that was absolutely insane. And I heard I heard people that were respected Republican, I guess, thought leaders, commentators saying, you know, wouldn't it be great if at the uh, convention we just, I don't know, spat on the will of our own voters so that we yeah. can get a guy the establishment wants. Yeah. And I remember thinking that was absolutely insane, but that definitely was a wake up call that should have cued us all into what we would see throughout the Trump years, which was this never Trump movement of basically traitorous conservatives that wanted to defy the will of the of the Republican voting base. What they don't want, these people, this contingent of establishment Republicans, what they do not want absolutely is to have a primary where both candidates are presented in front of the American people and they get to choose by voting. They do not want to go through that again. Certainly not. Because they think that the American voters are stupid. And so what they want is they want to start making people try to pick now so other candidates will drop out before the primaries happen. And then it basically becomes uh, somebody's basically crowned. Yeah. And it's almost like zero debate, right? Like there might be a couple of hangers on idiots that are going to kind of stay in the primaries. But in reality, we already know who it's going to be and it's going to be our guy, or it's going to be whatever, who it's not going to be is Trump. Sure. And sure. for whatever reason, you know, um, or whatever. And the problem is, is it's the same logic. It's the same logic as 2016. The reason why they wanted to get ahead of it and get rid of Donald Trump in, in the um, convention pick and have him be the candidate was because he was going to lose. Just remember mm -hmm. that. That was the whole logic was, guys, we have to get rid of Trump. We have to push Ted Cruz. Because there's no way Donald Trump's going to win against Hillary Clinton. There's zero way he will ever win against Hillary Clinton. It just it just will not happen. We're we're going to give the country away to Hillary Clinton if Donald Trump is our candidate. I want you to rem remember that was exactly why they were trying to convince people of it. Yeah. Then he turned around and he won. Right. So, and these people are still in the Republican Party. There's a lot of them that still have influence. And I mm -hmm. think that that is why I'm very wary about things like the supposed feud between Trump and DeSantis. It all feels relatively fake to me. And that just, oh, I, I, I just don't like that. Yeah, it's without even getting into any of the feuds or any of the weirdness, there is just be wary that there is a contingent of people 
that do not want you being able to pick someone in a primary. Yeah. Always, whenever you're looking at information, ask yourself whether or not this is a person who is attempting to influence whether or not you can choose between somebody in a primary. Because like, understand that, like, right? Like it was super contentious in, in 2016 and it was Trump and Cruz. And I remember those days because I had, I had a buddy at the time uh, where I worked that was a huge Ted Cruz fan. And him and I used to get into huge debates about it because he like he couldn't stand Trump. He was like, he's gross. He says dumb things. Oh my God. Like whatever. Right. And we would get into like semi heated arguments and I was never against Ted Cruz. I was just like, Ted Cruz is, he's a wimp by comparison. Like he's not going to go fight. Like we've seen him in Congress. Senator Cruz has never gone and basically punched back at the media like this. That's what we need right now. And he's like, no, we don't. We don't need somebody who just says mean stuff. Like that's not governing, whatever. We had these arguments. Mm-hmm. Did I end up hating Ted Cruz? No. No. No, absolutely not. Like, did, did I sit there and be like, well, I chose, I chose Donald Trump over Ted Cruz. So everything Ted Cruz does has to be garbage and I want him dead and gone. Absolutely not. That's not the case. But people are going to try yeah. to convince you of that. They're going to try to convince you that if you don't pick, I don't know, Ron DeSantis right now, you'll never be able to pick him again. 100% not true. Right. You know, or, or whatever. I mean, like I said, there's, there's good points and bad points between the two. But what there is right now is the establishment Republican Party wants you to pick right now instead of picking at a primary because they don't want you to be able to have a choice in the primary. They want you to pick their guy. Mm-hmm. And so just always be wary of those kinds of things. But back to the sort of initial point on on a lot of that is the information suppression that's coming out of social media. It's going to get bigger. The media right now is trying to convince everyone in the world that uh, conservatives are just obsessed with Hunter Biden's dick pics. And that's a distraction from the fact that there's absolute corruption revealed in this laptop about uh, the foreign business dealings of the Biden family and them making millions, if not billions of dollars from places like Ukraine and China, which of course, as our very intelligent audience knows, you can kind of see how certain uh, foreign policy decisions have been made throughout this administration due to the changing of hands and money. At the right. same time, more information is going to come out um, that is likely going to implicate the intelligence, um, the intelligence apparatus. The government 100% worked to suppress your um, free speech. Not only did they suppress it, like we said, we showed uh, the Arizona Secretary of State, which is Katie Hobbs, who was running for governor, pointing out certain accounts that needed to be banned. And somebody from Twitter was responding within minutes to go ban the accounts. I want to remind everybody that this isn't, it's not just in social media. There was a uh, Cochise County in Arizona was facing the need to certify the election results in Arizona, which of course are still very contentious since 30% of voting machines just so happen to be offline and unusable. Oh my gosh, how convenient, how convenient that the secretary of state, who's also running for governor, had a complete garbage rollout of same day voting, which conservatives like by a huge percentage, are more likely to vote on voting day rather than mail in their ballots. How crazy is it that that works? This is actually a very legitimate thing to be concerned about. It's 
more legitimate in so many ways than other election meddling or election suppression conspiracies that we've heard throughout the years. This one's pretty, pretty easy to paint. 30% of your voting machines went down. People were not able to vote on election day. That is a travesty in the in how we run elections. This is wrong and should not be okay. I think everyone can agree to that. If you if you take your bias out of it, you can easily say that was messed up and should have never happened, right? I would hope so. Well, Cochise County, their board of supervisors had to vote on certifying the election results. And of course, they were very uncomfortable in doing so because of all of this information, because there's not a good explanation for whether or not people were able to vote or whether or not people were turned away from voting because of the malfeasance of the Secretary of State's office, who, need I remind you, was also running for governor for the Democrats. Yeah, it's a little weird. When they voted, one of the most amazing things was said. The head of the town council in Cochise County stated that he was voting under duress what and said he is required to vote yes or he would go to jail that's i want you all to know this is how an election in the united states of america is going down right now the secretary of state invoked a law that would come with criminal penalty if a town delayed the certification of her election. Huh. So the town council, even though they were questioning the results of the election and whether or not the election, you know, disenfranchised people, disenfranchised voters, They were told by a judge, if you do not certify this election, you will go to jail because the Secretary of State's office has invoked this law that would basically say that you were interfering with an official proceeding. So just so you know, a county in the United States of America was forced to certify the election by the person whose election it was, or they would go to jail. I just I just want everyone to explain to me how we live in a country that that holds up freedom and liberty when that is the situation. It certainly is enough to warrant me being very concerned about these about elections. And anyone yeah. who told tells me I shouldn't be is either ignorant or malicious. Yeah, like a candidate literally went to people and said, you're going to recognize my election or I'm going to have you thrown in jail. Which is interesting because it sounds a lot like Biden. This seems to be a Democrat talking point. Uh, I don't care how weird everything looked. uh, You're going to accept my uh, election or I'm going to throw you in jail. Uh, That certainly doesn't come across well, I would say. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, Eric's bringing up the fact that it's like Katie Hobbs should have been disqualified because she didn't resign as, as secretary of state. There's a huge oh, conflict of interest. There. Absolutely. 
at, like the fact that she didn't recuse herself from any election related activity is itself a scandal. It's like she should be the election should be invalidated simply on those grounds. If I was running against her, I feel like that would be a good course for a lawsuit. Oh, it absolutely is. And it currently is. That good. that is a that is a lawsuit. Oh yeah. Sorry. And I'm I'm welcome to mention that he openly called her a crook. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> well, as he should. It, it, and there is absolutely a lawsuit that's happening. And this is the problem, right? Is the legal process in the United States is in fact slow. There are reasons that I can defend the slowness of justice in the United States because slowness sometimes equals fairness. There are other times that I find it completely ineffectual and weaponized against our own liberty. So I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, Carrie Lake is going to have her day in court, but it might be so long from now that it won't matter. That's why. That's the problem. Al yeah. Franken, when he was elected to the United States Senate in Minnesota, the guy that was a he was a comedian and he ended up having to resign because, you know, he was grabbing women's boobs while they were asleep. Um Al Franken, it was found out months and months and months after his last election to the United States Senate that a bunch of convicted felons voted and oddly voted for him which they were not allowed to vote because they were convicted felons and the removal of those votes actually meant he lost his election, but it was so long after the election that it didn't matter because the election got certified. Yeah, that's a, that's a very concerning thing about us elections is this. It's like you can cheat as long as you can cheat on a long enough time. If you can cheat on a long enough time scale, then you can get away with it. Yeah, which means like, again, oh, well, if I was, was the Republican Party, it would be all the more incumbent on me to be hyper vigilant about voting. And the day the voting happens, heck, in the weeks before, have all my ducks in a row ready to challenge this stuff and stall anything so that they can't pull the exact same tricks we know they've pulled before. It is ridiculous to me that we've seen this multiple times and there's a such a long history of exactly this kind of behavior that the republic but the republican party hasn't organized some defense against it and that's very bizarre it's almost as if the republican party so, knows this happens and is actively aiding it some of some of the issue the non-malicious issue that the republican party ran into especially in this um midterm hmm. is we don't support ballot harvesting. We always call it out as being a, you know, like this is, this is a dirty tactic that's used by the Democrats. Certainly. The fact of the matter is though true, the Democrats are allowed to do it. It is considered legal and that law has not been repealed. The Republican party has not been able to get those laws repealed in, in a lot of States, California being one of them. Because of that, you have Democrats going all over the place, handing out ballots, getting people to vote, taking those ballots, and then submitting them to the um, election office. They're out on the street with ballots in hand, getting people to fill those ballots out, and then taking them and dropping them off at an election center. And it's all completely legal. The Republican Party in California tried to do this was like, well, I mean, we've got to do the same thing. That's what the Democrats are doing. And it's legal right now. We haven't gotten it repealed. So if we want to be competitive, we're going to have to do this. 
And a lot of Republicans said, well, no, we don't agree with it. You can't do it. Don't do that. We don't like it. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I hate to say it. That's a ton of votes left on the table. I don't like that either. Trust me, I don't. But at the end of the day, it comes down to what is the reality of the, like, what's the, what's the ground truth right now? Not what you wished it would be. But there were tons of people. I, I just happen to know this because of a person that I know that's in the California Republican Party. They got shot in the foot consistently. They tried to have efforts where it was like, we have to get out there and do this same thing, or there's going to be a bunch of votes left on the table, and we're going to get basically steamrolled by the Democrat Party because they're able to go do this. And uh, there were so many people that said, nope, don't do it. We hate that. We don't like it. So just don't. And it basically is the same thing as saying, I don't like tanks. Don't bring tanks to this war. And we go, well, the enemy has tanks though. And they go, I don't care. I don't like them. Yeah, it's absolutely bonkers the way that it, it doesn't make logical sense. So it's either people are cowards, they are, are cowards and ref, and are terrified of being called names by the left for doing things that are absolutely necessary, or they're totally ignorant that those things are necessary, or they are basically malicious and and want make want to make sure that the right, the Republican side loses elections and they are essentially traitors and they think there's no other explanation for any of this behavior it's either they're ignorant they're malicious or they're cowardly and none of those is a good reason why we shouldn't have these things there's no, none of those is a good reason for everyone to just get throw their hands and go well, well i guess we're just so infested with cowardice so i guess we just let the bad guys win Oh, I, I can tell you the the most likely reason why a ton of people in the Republican Party did not participate in things like ballot harvesting. And it was 100 percent because they were like, well, then we're going to get called hypocrites. Yeah, it's like, OK, no, and, like and you don't so you get, get it. If we hypocrites. go out and start harvesting ballots, then NPR is going to say we're being hypocritical because we don't want to have ballot harvesting be a thing. But then we're going to go do it. and They're going to call us hypocrites. Okay, you're going to get called names by them anyway. Why do you get like why do you give it I j- just win. Who cares what name they call you? Just win. So I think this is a potentially a holdover of times bef- of of the olden days when <laughs> the great past. My view on modern politics certainly seems to be like there's no real centrists anymore. You're not anybody that's going to vote for you is going to vote for you. And they'll mm-hmm. only vote for you more if you do what they want. They won't vote for you less. How many Republicans are going to vote for rep- Democrats because, well, the Republicans are trying to, you know, they're kind of hypocrites on this ballot harvesting thing. So I'm going to vote for Democrats. Yeah. It's not going to happen. No one's going to do that. The only thing that will, will happen is people that are that Republicans going, wow, my side is being kind of hypocritical and combating ballot harvesting. Either you'll get, there's there's one of two things that happen. Either people will go, I don't like that, but I don't want the Democrat to win, so I'm still going to vote Republican, or I really like that, I'm going to make sure that I go out and vote Republican. Democrats are going to not vote for you either way. It's yeah. not like, I mean, maybe they're terrified that if we do that, then Democrats will vote harder for, will actually come out and vote. It'll give the Democrats something to run on, and then we'll definitely lose. It's like, if you're worried about that, you've already lost. 
So <laughs> to me, there's no negative of doing these things. Right. Well, and and that's the sad part is like, you know, we 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 have a we have a friend of this show who's a lawyer for the RNC. Mm-hmm. Um and that that's like that that's where I'm getting a lot of this information is like talking with her. She's like, Yeah, we we tried. We tried, and unfortunately, because we do disagree with it, and we have told, you know, Republican voters that this is not a good thing, this is not a good tactic, so it's pretty hard for us to implement it. We kind of shot ourselves in the foot, but at the same time, we don't agree with it, but it is the reality, and so, like, we need to kind of tell people, like, yes, we we don't agree with this, but if you want to win, we're going to have to do it, unless, basically, the your choice is we have to play with this weapon or we have to get the weapon off the battlefield. But as long as it's on the battlefield, we need to fight in kind, which I think is a very valid thing to say. Definitely. Not every time that that's rolled out is a valid thing to say, right? Like, you know, these, this isn't a hundred percent because there's a lot of ways that people use this same logic to try to get you to vote against yourself. Um, now one of the, um, well, with that, we'll shift gears a little bit because there are a couple of other uh, interesting things, and, but it all kind of comes back to weirdness in the government, meddling in elections, you know, things like this. And there's a story that Alan shared with me, but I'm going to actually give a, a different story first that leads into this next one. Um, there was a lot of suppression of information heading into these midterms. We just talked about stuff that happened in 2020. Well, heading into the midterms, of course, you guys remember all of these weird stories that came out just right after the election that suddenly it was like, oh, wow, you guys sort of held on to all this until after the election. How convenient. Um, you know, some of it like people thinking about like FTX and things like that. Well, there actually happened to be an entire uh, back in back last February or I'm sorry, this February, there were a bunch of bomb threats that were called into historic black colleges and universities. Oh, no. And they were reported as there were all these white supremacists that were calling in bomb threats to these black colleges because there's just all of this racism in America. And there's just, you don't know any of them, but they totally exist. There's squads and squads of white supremacists that get together and try to bomb historically black colleges and universities. This is totally true. And we even had the um the the secretary of the department of homeland security mayorkas come out and talk about months later talk about these bomb threats that were being called into hbcus and saying that this is why white supremacy and white nationalism is the greatest threat that we face in the united states of america well what if i told you that for months and i mean months the fbi actually knew that the person that was calling in the bomb threats was one person and it was a teenager. Oh. They was this knew. teenager black? Interestingly enough, we don't know. They haven't released the race of the person that has yep. actually been arrested. They were black. Which means yes. <laughs> right. If it was a white guy, we would see it all over the news immediately. Yep. I believe what I think it's actually called the Coulter effect. Where it's like the longer okay. it takes for the, the longer it takes for the media to release the race of the perpetrator, the more likelihood it's a minority. So wait, is that named after that kid that got shot? That little kid? No, it's named after Ann Coulter. 
Oh, it's named after Ann. Yeah, Coulter. I believe okay, Ann okay. Coulter was the one that came up with that uh, that phrase, and so people called it the uh, the Coulter phenomenon or the Coulter effect or something like that. Okay, the Coulter I mean, rule. I... Maybe it's the Coulter rule. The longer it takes uh, for them to release the race of the the suspect, the more likelihood it, it's a minority. Yeah, it's a minority that doesn't fit the narrative, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So so that is the thing is they have not released any of that information. So it makes it very, very highly likely that this is going to be very inconvenient. Now, that story has basically somewhat disappeared. But womp, womp. it once again, it was a hoax in a sense. It was a teenager. So this let, let me explain it a little bit more in depth. They didn't know who it was like. They didn't release any of the information clarifying that it was a single individual and that it was a minor until after the midterms, even though that the information was known prior to the midterm elections. So what they didn't want was a news story where conservative outlets would be able to run out and go another hate crime hoax. It was a single individual. Here's all the statements from the Biden administration and Democrats condemning this, saying that it's terrible and awful and that it's all these white supremacists, probably Trump voters, blah, blah, blah. So they waited until after the midterms to release that information. But that was when they knew who the suspect was. They It did take a long time for them to figure out who the suspect was and then arrest that individual. The stranger part about it is almost the entire time, they knew that it was a single person. When Secretary Mayorkas went out and talked and used this as an example for the horrors of all of these white nationalists that are committing terrorism, he already knew that it was a single individual and was probably a kid. He already happened to know that. Right. So, of course, they lied because, of course, they did. And that's the whole thing is the whole term white nationalist, white supremacist, it's just a dog whistle to liberals that says MAGA voters. Right. That's of it. course. Yeah. You know, and so we all like we all get that and we all know it. What's interesting is the new focus now is on drag queen story hour and things like that, because this is something that broadly um, upsets a the most important demographic for the Democrat Party, which is suburban women. The Democrat Party knows that basically their pathway to winning any election is through suburban women, primarily suburban white women. And so they started to lose their grip on that demographic with masking in schools and a lot of the transgender stuff because people are seeing it affect their – I'm sorry? And increasing crime. Yes, and increasing crime. And it's because – these this same demographic of people, suburban white women, are seeing this affect their own families and their kids, and they're pretty upset by it. So the counter narrative that's being created by the left and progressives in America is uh, if you don't agree with this, you're a terrorist. And we see it all over, even though none of it really ever seems to be substantiated. Oh, there's all of these threats to um, hospitals where uh, people are doing um, gender transition transition surgeries on 12-year-olds without parental consent. Well, what's the reality of it? Are there actually threats that are going? We hear that threats happen, then we never hear about it ever again. What's the reality? People are protesting it because they're like, this is wrong and you don't get to take away my rights to make decisions on what happens to the future of my own children. The government doesn't own my kids. 
And then the left goes, well, th these people are white supremacist terrorists and they're just bigots against the LGBTQ like community. Well, there's an interesting story that goes along with a lot of this because you guys have all seen the huge push from the media to try to basically call you a terrorist if you're concerned about children being, well, groomed. In North Carolina, there was an attack on, I believe it was three power substations. Interesting. Three power substations in North Carolina suddenly went offline and it was found um, that there was vandalism at all of these. So there was a coordinated effort here to go after um, – To yeah, essentially sorry, knock they're, out they're, these power substations, yeah, which it then to, knocks out power to a large area. And I believe they were essentially vandalized by someone shooting the Transformers. Yeah, there, there were reports of gunshots, but it hasn't been confirmed. I see. The problem that we run into with this is – People are trying to say that this was because there was a drag queen show that was going on. Right. I, this, I saw this and said, this was the headline was something along the lines of power knocked out like during a drag queen store. This is probably related to them hating drag queens, which immediately my nonsense detector went off. And I was like, no, no. And the fact that you have to invoke hatred of drag queens says something about this attack that it's clearly something that is either very much unknown they don't either don't want to release what the uh the suspicions of what it actually could be or there's something more to this that you're trying to deflect away from yeah so this happened in moore county north carolina what's weird about it is like were people protesting this theater yes what what happened is they were going to be doing an all ages show, but then they ended up making it an 18 plus show. There were still people that were protesting because they tried to do some sort of all ages, you know, drag show or whatever. Yeah. Which is super they're weird. Linking. I get to, I get to think mm -hmm. delivering children in front of sexual deviance is extremely strange, but that's just me being a crazy bigot. There, there was a woman who was, involved in leading the protest against this and she was at the location where the show was happening and so i you can totally see where this isn't there where they're connecting stupid dots so she's standing outside of this building as a like in in a protest and then all of a sudden all the lights go out and her response is oh my gosh all the power went out at this like place where they're trying to do where they were trying to do this all ages drag show and i know why and her response was because god's angry right well god is angry but i don't know if he necessarily directly knocked out the power well all of these liberals are going see because she said that that's how we know it was a bunch of maga people that went and shot up the power substation hmm. very convenient yeah I highly doubt that that's the case because, well, it makes like zero sense, to be honest. Like, who sits there and says, we want to shut down this drag queen show? Let's go shoot at power substations. Yeah, it does like, make sense. If that was the case, you would just literally go to the power transformer on the back of the building and knock it out. Yeah, what this does remind me, though, is there was is 
uh, attacks on U.S. infrastructure by foreign agents. There was a one attack a few years ago where they found a bunch of bullet, bullet casings. It knocked out power. It was very clearly a coordinated attack to attack from areas that the cameras couldn't see. And the allegation at the time was essentially foreign saboteurs testing whether or not they could knock out the U.S. power grid via attacks like this. It, it sounds exactly like that sort of thing. And I think that it would be a big, I think that trying to blame it on hatred of drag queens is a obfuscation at best. Yeah, this, and now it's possible. Um, it's possible that that could be what this was. It's also no, it's possible not. that it, that it's a false oh. flag. Yeah, sorry, sorry, that it was foreign, that it was foreign, right, right? Yeah, yeah, We covered that on the show months and months and months ago when it happened. We discussed um, that it did look like a, a very um, coordinated nation-state level attack. This um, attack that happened a couple of years ago, yes. Right. Now, it's possible that this could have been some sort of foreign entity. It's entirely possible. It's also possible that this was a bullshit false flag because it goes along the lines of the kind of stuff that we see from the left attacking power substations is a tactic that has been used regularly by leftist agitators, right? Remember knocking out infrastructure is a thing that they do. They used to do this in the nineties. The environmentalist movement was extremely violent. Yeah. Uh, one thing I, I say my, my read on it is it has nothing to do with the drag queen show because you're knocking out power to a huge area and probably has, has everything to do with some other motive. Now I, I honestly don't have any information on what that could have been. Maybe it was some foreign actor. Maybe it was someone testing the vulnerability of US infrastructure. Maybe it was climate activists wanting to cause a ruckus. But the idea that this is connected to this drag queen show seems absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, the only way that it's connected, the only possible connection that I foresee happening with this situation is it being leftist agitators that did it specifically so they could try to claim that people protesting drag queen shows are committing terrorism. Yeah, but even then, you'd still just attack the building. You wouldn't knock know. out power to an entire region. That's why it makes no sense. Yeah, you're not wrong, right? It's just that's the only connection I could possibly make. Otherwise, it's just silly and dumb. But uh, I, I I can make one I can make one um, guess that I bet's going to be correct. What's that? We're never going to hear about this again. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, you're probably right. <laughs> that's my one assumption here. My one prediction is we're going to end up never hearing about this again because that's what happened in the last one. You know, we yeah. like like we were saying is like we still have no we have no idea. Like it just disappeared from the news cycle um, because <laughs> it was uh, very very inconvenient. Um. Now with that, <laughs> um. Although, you know, speaking of energy, we'll, we'll use this, uh, speaking for fun, um, speaking of energy, there's some weird stuff going on in the Biden administration. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this news story or not, but one of the senior officials in the Biden administration has been arrested for stealing a woman's luggage. Yeah, that's weird. And of course because it's the Biden administration and they're far more focused on diversity hires than they are about like people qualified to do the job and represent the American people. It's a bald guy who wears lipstick and dresses. Oh, in 
what I have to say is likely the most egregious attempt at wanting to go stand. I'm trying to think of how to explain this. You guys can all look up the picture of this dude, but he's just basically like a kind of a bald, likely ginger uh, dude, like smooth bald head to the point where I thought maybe alopecia or something, Mm -hmm. but just wears women's clothes, wears bright red lipstick and huzzah. I look at somebody like that and all I can think of is this person derives an incredible amount of satisfaction from going up to women and basically sneering at them and saying, you call me ma'am. Yeah. No, the guy's super weird. The guy dresses like a woman. And he has like a, a boyfriend that he's dresses gay. up in like the dog thing, right? Yeah. His, 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 his gay lover has dresses up like a dog and they're into weird fetish nonsense. And this dude is, was picked. And this guy was picked as, uh, he's a role. He, he works in the department of the energy's office of nuclear energy. He's 35 years. He's 35 years old. I guess he's a nuclear engineer by trade. Um, but just ridiculous sexual deviant. And right. And now was arrested stealing women's purses at airports. Like these are the kinds of people that are being put in positions of power and authority inside the bureaucracy, not in charge of something nonsense like, oh, a oh, just a communication staff or something. It's like, no, this guy is a deputy assistant secretary for spent fuel and waste disposition at the Department of Energy's Office of Nuclear Energy. Yeah, what's the name? And I'm sorry, like I didn't Sam Brinton. Thank you. Yeah, Sam Brinton. And what I, I do not have the faith and confidence that Sam was picked for that position because he was competent, motivated, and going to do a great job with the country's big problems with what do we do with spent nuclear fuel. I have every reason to believe that he was picked specifically because he was such a flagrant sexual deviant that the essentially he could count as some wild diversity hire for the administration. Yeah. I mean, and that makes me very worried. It makes me worried because we have people, all of these systems run like, you know, nuclear waste disposal, engineering, all of these things you know, pilots on planes, doctors, they all run because we used to pick the most competent people to put in charge of these things because failure at them has severe consequences. If the United, if an engineer is a picked as a diversity hire, not because they are competent at engineering and they design a bridge, there is a likelihood that they will not design it as safely and effective efficiently as someone that was highly competent. If you have a doctor, would you rather have a doctor who is who is who got their degree because they were so highly skilled that they scored highly in all of these tests, or because they were quote a persecuted minority and got a free pass through medical school? I certainly wouldn't want a doctor like that. I don't want the people handling nuclear waste and figuring out how to do that safely. I don't want them to be diversity hires. I want them to be extremely competent people chosen because they're competent, driven individuals that will do a really good job. 
And with Sam Brinton here, I have no, I in fact have every assurance that he was picked simply because he's such a visible sexual deviant that that is, and that was more important than picking someone that was good for the job. There's an infinite, there's a huge number of probably skilled nuclear and mechanical engineers in the country, and this is the guy they picked, and it's, Forgive my skepticism that that choice was for anything but the fact that he was such a such a thumb in the eye to these stodgy conservatives that hate the gays and non-binary folks and the trannies. We're going to stuff one right in front of their face in our administration. That seems like exactly the kind of mentality these people have. And it and I know that listening to how they talk listening to how they talk about conservatives, how they talk about their opposition, how they talk about Christianity, how they talk about these issues is always in the most evil and divisive terms. And I have every reason then to believe that they would put people like this Sam Brinton in positions of authority simply because it was, simply because it would be an insult to the rest of us. No, yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And it, it's, it's a, uh... but now the guy's been arrested. The guy's been arrested for stealing women's clothing at a, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what's clothing, stealing a woman, stealing a woman's luggage at an airport. Again, that was the, I that was the don't have part. to, it's not crazy to think how, if the, the Venn diagram of people that are competent and effective at nuclear engineering and people that steal luggage at airports have no overlap. High IQ competent people don't steal luggage at airports. So it makes me very concerned that this guy's in charge of anything involving nuclear fuel. Yeah, And it makes me also doubly concerned about the system that would put someone like him in charge of something like spent nuclear waste. Yeah, no, I, I, it's, it is a, a shocking and wild, <laughs> it's just, it is, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It is, it is, especially because uh, he was traveling without luggage. Yeah, he wasn't even traveling. Oh, 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 no, oh, that I was the that best part. He wasn't traveling. He showed that's why they arrested him on, I think, on a felony, not just mistaken luggage. He was he he, he was not even traveling. He just showed up at the airport to steal a women, woman's purse. That's weird. Isn't weird. it weird? Why are these people it's so weird? So weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's OK. I don't know what's weirder, that he shows up at an airport to steal a woman's luggage or that he dresses like a woman and has a gay sex partner who dresses up like a dog. It's like, okay, what? I don't, I don't even know what to make of these people. They're very bizarre. You have to, you have to, you have to actively hunt for these folk. It's just anyway, but this, this, this is part and parcel for the normal, the, the way that the Biden administration is operating. For example, they flat out told us, that they picked Kentanji Brown Jackson for the Supreme Court because she was a black woman. That was it. Like, like that, that, that was the reason. And they said it explicitly. We're not saying that she was picked as a diversity hire. The Biden administration told us that that's why she was picked. The mm -hmm. same, same thing is the absolutely awful um, press secretary 
uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre, she was picked because since they're explicit about how they're choosing their representatives in the administration, she was picked because she's a black lesbian. Yeah. She's terrible at her job. She is not a good press secretary. We, we've we actually backed off of it because it became almost too um, constant that we were just, we basically were dedicating 15 to 20 minutes of this program to playing her dumbass answers all the time. Yeah. And so there you go. Like that, that was exactly it. And so there it's, yeah, it's affirmative action. It's diversity hires. It's checking the box. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, uh, the, my, uh, my allegation that he was not actually traveling, that he showed up just to steal it. That might, that might've been uh, misreported earlier. I'm, was trying to double check that because that sounded too crazy, and so let's throw that out for now. I I can't verify that he that that was that was real. I think I saw that in initial reporting, but I'm having trouble seeing anything that explicitly tells that says that it's still incredibly weird. Apparently, the guy stole this this suitcase, had all the clothes that were in it, and used it for months afterwards, and only later was caught because he was seen with the bag on two separate trips afterwards. <laughs> Oh my god, that's weird. Yeah, it's okay. Just, that okay. Weird. That's what I had read. He was so he had flown into the airport. He didn't check any bags, which made the, him picking a bag from the luggage carousel extremely bizarre because he didn't check any bags for that flight. So why was he even at the baggage carousel if not to intentionally steal a bag? I mean. It's just, it, it, it's, it's weirdness. Normally, like, let's just be honest. Normally this kind of stuff, like, yes, it's weird, but it's not really something that we would normally focus on in, in, in the concept of like, this person did something really weird and stupid, but like, uh, okay, like bad hire, right? We've all been in companies where somebody yeah, does something fine. really strange and you didn't see it coming. But at the same time, like it's less, oh my gosh, that's super shocking when you look at this person and go, yeah, this person should have been a concern and, and this person should have been a concern at the onset. Yeah. I also want to remind people of something that's going to sound a little administrivia, but I really, really need everyone to understand this. Okay. This person is in a senior level position that deals with nuclear energy. Yep. You include the disposal of nuclear energy. By the way, nuclear waste can be weaponized. Just yeah. so everyone's aware, nuclear waste can be weaponized. Sure. That means that this guy has a top secret security clearance with a Q caveat. Mm. There's zero way that he could perform his duties without having a top secret security clearance with a Q caveat on it, which is known as a Q clearance, which deals with nuclear energy. Because not only does this person know the locations of all of our nuclear plants, but their disposal regimen and where we send those toxic chemicals that could very easily be converted into a dirty bomb. You Definitely. have to be concerned about these things. And this is something that everyone needs to understand. When I got my security clearance in the United States Army, when Alan got his security clearance in the United States Army, it was a rigorous process where they basically dug through a lot of aspects of our lives to ensure that we were still qualified to hold that clearance. Right. When we were in the United States Army, we regularly got reevaluated. 
and we would have to report incidents and different things like that for them to keep our clearance. Our jobs were dependent on it. We They were concerned about our debt. They were concerned about our, our relationships. They were concerned about who we talked to, who our friends were. They also were concerned about our mental stability, stability and whether or not we were psychologically sound. When you are a secretary or deputy secretary or assistant secretary, you're a political pick and you were gifted that clearance with no background check. Hooray. What a stupid If you country. are a senator, if you are a senator or a congress member, you're gifted that clearance as part of your daily duties. For example, if you're on the House Select Committee on Intelligence, if your political party picks you, bam, you have a security clearance, which means you have access to that information. Right. Yeah. Whether you should well, the, or shouldn't. The Whether question you from Eric is, is it sort of like a driver's assets? license? Whether you're renewal. married to a Chinese national. I don't know. Or, you know, you've been sleeping with a Chinese spy. Yeah. Real no. weird. Uh, Eric asked if it's like a driver's license renewal. It's like a driver's license renewal if that includes like a um, colonoscopy. And sometimes... And a polygraph, depending on what type of clearance you hold. Yeah, yeah. I think you and I both had to do a polygraph. Indeed. Yep, we had to do polygraphs. To determine if you know. you're lying. <laughs> Sometimes psychological evaluations, uh, things like that. Just this person obviously has a lot of issues and to yeah. from from the perspective of somebody who has worked intelligence and somebody who has worked counterintelligence you absolutely need to take a look at situations like these and go that person could have been very easily compromised yeah it's i mean what we're always told is don't judge a book by its cover yeah but with when it comes to human beings though the book gets to choose its own cover and if the book gets to choose its own cover, then what's on the cover reflects the content of the book. So I get to judge the content of the book by what the book chooses to put on its cover. For this gentleman, when he is a gender-fluid, non-binary gay man that dresses, that puts on women's clothes and trots out with his partner dressed like a dog on a leash, I get to look at that and say, hmm. All of those things are conscious decisions that he is choosing to present himself out into the world, and those things absolutely reflect a certain mindset or set of values, and I absolutely then get to judge that person on, the on what values and mindset all those choices reflect. I personally would not think, would think that someone that makes those choices to reflect the, the, the values that he reflects is not someone that I would necessarily trust with extremely secret, sensitive, or dangerous things because they are essentially advertising to the world that I am unstable. I am unstable. I am deviating from the norm. I am not normal. Now, maybe we're saying that they're not, that them being not normal is okay. And maybe it's not necessarily illegal, but it is not normal. And that should bring a certain amount of skepticism and mistrust for all of the right reasons. Now, maybe that can be with the, maybe Sam Brenton and other people. Maybe that can be like mitigated, but the initial assumption of this person is untrustworthy because they are advertising that they are not normal 
is absolutely a reasonable one and should be the starting point for any investigation into their competence. No, yeah, I I 100% agree. And that's the whole thing is in in don't <laughs> Colleen says don't judge my plain yoga pants. <laughs> like the yoga pants worn while flying on a plane. Oh my gosh. Um <laughs> Real quick, uh, because there's something I've got to cover um, in the last couple minutes of the show, uh, which is interesting and cool. It's one of my favorite things to do, but we'll get to it in a second. Uh, is there, There's a slight update that we have to give on stuff that's going on in Ukraine, uh, because we are entering into the winter time, uh, which Russia has shown itself to strategically be amazing at. Um, Russia certainly at least has it, and I would guess the Ukrainians as well. Both right. have a history of being effective fighters in the winter and usually plan military operations around that. There's been allegations that there will soon be a big Russian winter offensive because they called up all of their reservists months ago. The reservists are now entering the field. We'll see if any of that materializes. But the idea that winter is going to put it the winter, the idea that winter is not the fighting season in Eastern Europe, I uh, I'm skeptical of that assertion. Yeah, that's that's the same dumbass thing that we saw in Afghanistan, where it's like it's not the fighting season. Oh, so they they can't shoot at us right now because uh, they currently are. Um, <laughs> no, the thing no is, sense. it's not the fighting season, so you can't shoot back. Yeah, that's that's really what that was. It's not the fighting season; you can't shoot back. Uh, Barack Obama needs to get reelected. So, um, anyway, uh, so. What has happened in Ukraine, interestingly enough, for the place that is supposed to be the most freedom free place on the face of the planet, uh, the beacon of democracy, uh, President Zelensky has banned the uh, Orthodox Church. Yeah, uh, apparently the discussion was that Zelensky alleged that the Orthodox Church was because the because the orthodox church the patriarch of the orthodox church is in the i guess in their in moscow therefore the orthodox church in ukraine must be viewed as a potential avenue of foreign subversion and mm -hmm. suggested that the ukraine that the orthodox church in ukraine should be dissolved because it is potentially a avenue of foreign subversion. Now, I just want to remind people who, who may not understand this real quick. There are a ton of ethnic Russians in Ukraine. Most of these people live on the eastern part of Ukraine, duh, that butts up against Russia. They've lived there for a very, very long time. Um, yeah. A lot of ethnic Russians also happen to be Orthodox because in fact, that is probably the vast majority of the Ukrainian population or ethnic Russian or not are almost entirely all Orthodox Christians. Now people like Zelensky uh, and a number of other Orthodox, uh, a number of other people in his administration, they're Jewish, which is part of the, there's a large contingent of Jews that live in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. um, but I can see that it could be rather contentious arguing that the Orthodox Church should be basically schismed at the whims of the president of Ukraine because for some reason they are puppets of Putin because the basically Orthodox Pope lives in Moscow. Right. Now, this would be the, this is the same as as the all the scaremongering in the United States in the, around the turn of the century of all of these Catholics are 
basically puppets of the Pope in Rome, and we don't want to be ruled by Rome, so we got to make sure there's no Catholics in the United States. Well, and I mean, this is, he's banning a religion. At the yeah. end of the day, he's banning a religion. We have to ask ourselves whether or not that's okay. People want to try to get in the debate of like, well, but the Russian Orthodox Church is tied really tightly in with Moscow and the KGB and Maybe. Putin and blah, 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 blah. Okay. Okay. Well, is it okay to ban a religion? Yes, no. Check the box. Because the Constitution of the United States of America doesn't have a list of boxes that says this. You know, it, it, yeah. it doesn't have the if this, then that. No, it just, is it okay because remember, this is the same guy who banned his opposition political party with the same same rationale. Yep. If you're opposing me, then you're benefiting Russia. Yeah. Um, he banned opposition media because if you're opposing me, then you're benefiting Russia. And now he's banning a church because they're located in Russia, so they probably oppose me. And I think that at the end of the day, if we were just being honest about it, if it was saying, hey, this Zelensky guy, you know, if it was simply Ukraine that you this is a proxy fight between the United States and Russia and Ukraine being in the American sphere of influence is going to strengthen the US ability to project military power against Russia and that is a valuable thing for American foreign policy that would be an honest interpretation mm -hmm. but instead we're given this lie that it's all about democracy and freedom and I, that's what makes me annoyed, because it's clearly not about that. The actions of the Ukrainian government have proven that they do not at all value democracy or freedom. They value holding on to power at all costs. They operate like a dictatorship. But the left is the same thing, people that will jump on the train and be the first to tell you, well, the United States supported all these dictatorships in the Cold War. Yeah, and we were honest about it. We support the... Uh, uh, the Shah of Iran, who is a dictator, because he is keeping the country in the Western sphere of influence away from the Soviets, and that's totally just fine. And for some reason, we can't do that with Zelensky, which is exactly why I get annoyed at this. If we yeah. were honest, we would just say, this is about the United States power. Uh, this is about power politics on the world stage, not about democracy or freedom for anybody. This is about the United States playing power politics against Russia, and that's it. But that would not let liberals feel that veneer of moral superiority, so I can understand why they try so hard to just say it's about platitude, platitude, platitude. Right. And that's exactly it. But <clears throat> that's going to have to be kind of the final thought while I give this little bit of a plug here, because uh, we've had a lot of activity on Twitter while we've been doing the show and a lot of things being shared out to include this podcast right now that we're talking on, which is why you might have seen some people um, kind of show up in our live chat if you've been following it. And that's because we got shared by the old man's podcast, which, by the way, this is a guy who has probably the coolest pop filter on his microphone that I've ever seen. It literally looks like somebody knit him a camo pop filter for his oh, that's mic. That's cool. Um, so uh, they shared us along, and apparently they are going to be uh, sharing us and um, sharing us throughout on their show. So we want to respond in kind and share them as well. Uh, they are a daily show that does a morning show, and it's located at theoldmanspodcast.com. Or you can sit here on Podbean where we're at right now, uh, and you can check their show out. They are family friendly, so they're not as uh, gross and disgusting as us, but they, they are on, oh, they're on Podbean. 
So I just want to make sure we're on podcast. I don't know what I actually just said. But point is, you that. can go check them out. And our buddy Eric that's been showing up here um, on the show for a while, he is actually part of that program. So go check them out. I'm going to go check them out. Let us know what you guys think. Uh, and let us know whether or not this is uh, something where we might want to bring each other on and uh, have further conversations. Could be a hell of a lot of fun. But thanks a lot, guys, over at the Old Man's Podcast for sharing us out. And uh, we would like it if you guys want to go check them out as well. Uh, otherwise, uh, I'm Aaron from the East Coast. I'm out from the West Coast. And this is Wrong Think Radio. We'll see you all next time.